This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Podcast on Steelers.com. Lots of important Steelers stuff and NFL stuff that we're going to dive into over these next three episodes on the Steelers Standard today. But before we get started on really anything, we would be remiss to not mention at least the tragic passing of quarterback Dwayne Haskins over the weekend, um, being struck by a vehicle as he was outside of his car on the highway. And I mean, there's nothing to really say about it. We're not going to take time on it. Just pass our condolences along to him, to his friends, to his family, and just right. just, just make a, an acknowledgement of what an unspeakable tragedy that is. I mean, Jacob, he was 24 years old. Right. I'm looking just, at your, I'm looking at your baby 24. face right now. Just like, turned 24. He's younger than both of us, man. Like, that really, really, really hits. More than anything about how he had a long career, I'm sure, in the NFL in front of him, but just a long life as a human being. That's what really hurts the most, and just it makes it a true tragedy. Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> this guy was on the Steelers for such a short amount of time, and we've all now at this point seen the Chase Claypool video that he tweeted out upon his reaction. Everybody, man. Like sure, the but, media, but the media was, members, I mean, the players. You just, you just like, saw everybody to that level of of loss feel man, and, no and emote to that extent. And this is someone who really just had such a short time with the Steelers but clearly made such, such an, an impact. impact yeah. I mean, he was down in Florida. He's no, He had signed a deal with the Browns what, two days before? But he was down in Florida working out with Steelers teammates, wasn't he? Browns? Was it the Browns or? Haskins is a Steeler, was a Steeler. You're thinking of Dobbs. I'm thinking of Dobbs. Yeah. yeah, my bad. Anyways, but still, I mean, he was working down. He was working yeah, him out. him and Rudolph and, yeah. and Trubisky and Najee and all of the skill position players were down there at Trubisky's house. And there's right. a video posted of him and Najee just the day before. And, yeah, I, I think the media members, too, saying, not only did he seem like such a great person, you know, they had limited access because of COVID the past couple of seasons, but he seemed like a really good human being ready to take this second chance he was getting in the NFL in stride. And from all accounts, he was wonderful in the locker room. And sure. as far as being a good soldier for the Steelers, he was coming to work, ready to work every single day. There's things out there that some idiots have said recently, Gil Brandt especially. That oh, just most especially. But those are what people from the outside who don't have a pulse on things say. Everybody here who knows knows that that kid came to work every day. That kid was a bright young man, had a great future in front of him, both in the NFL, I think, and, of course, off the field as well. So RIP Dwayne Haskins, he will be missed. And, again, I can't imagine what his family, his wife, what his his friends are going through. We've seen what Claypool's going through. So just all of our condolences sent out to them. I'm sure, you know, we'll see some kind of tribute. At some oh, point, maybe during I mean, the home opener. You already opener. saw the Penguins do one. You're right. going to see Ohio State, I saw it. Their spring game is going to do one. Right. So yeah, But it's... even like a patch or something for them this yeah. year. Wouldn't be surprised. Would not be surprised at all. All right, let's get back into sure. some Steelers football. Let's get into some... A topic that I've been kicking around since the weekend. And Jacob, have you heard the phrase, pressures makes, makes diamonds? I butchered that completely. I'm going to take it again. <laughs> Nice. Jacob, I don't know you... if you talked for that long. <laughs> it's a long rewind. <laughs> it's a long rewind. <laughs> Jacob, have you heard the phrase "pressure makes diamonds," baby? That was I have. Good. I nailed it that, that time. The one I heard of, the one you said before, <laughs> I had never heard of before. Well, let's talk about what Steelers we think are under the most pressure this season. And we're not talking about guys that are going to get drafted in the sixth round, so they've got pressure to make the roster, or fringe guys like Robert Spillane, who's like, i got to show my worth as a third- or fourth-string linebacker. i got a lot of pressure on me. No, I'm talking about some nailed-on starters who we have some pretty damn good expectations Mm -hmm. for, and they got a lot of pressure facing them. 
to succeed in this 2022 season? So I think you could throw out a bunch of names, but I bet you, you and I can agree on who we're going to start with. Yeah. The number one guy. middle linebacker? He might have to be middle linebacker with the number 55. Yes, I agree. That's what I was thinking was when I thought of this topic, that was, he was mainly the reason why I thought of this topic because he could be the whole episode. I don't think that there's any more player that defines having pressure on them like Devin Bush. You were a top 10 draft pick. You were traded up to get something that this team rarely does. Ever. I mean, they never trade up at all and they barely ever get top 10 picks because they're always too good of a team to be picking there on their own merit. So. Traded up to grab you, showed your potential in your rookie season, got devastatingly injured in your sophomore season. Last year was just kind of meh. I mean, nothing like, oh, the guy is completely over and washed. That's what some Steelers fans would tell you, but we all know some Steelers fans are a little crazy sometimes. But nothing that would make you think that his career's over in the NFL, but nothing that would make you think this is going to be a top 10 pick that looks like Devin White from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out there. So the Steelers, Steelers fans are very critical. There's been a conversation about if Terrell Edmonds had been taken in the second round, people were saying he's a great pick. He would have been a great pick. But here you are. You're Devin Bush, and you were traded up for – you. the Steelers moved up to get you into the top ten. Yes. I mean, you were expected to be a top – you were expected to be a first-round pick. Terrell Edmonds, people could say that maybe the Steelers reached on, and because of that there are unfair expectations, but – Every expectation set for you. I mean, also, Terrell Evans played at Virginia Tech. You played under Coach Harbaugh at Michigan. If the Steelers didn't trade up, he was going to be taken. Right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they were, they traded up out of fear that he right. was going to be there wherever they were taking that year or wherever they were picking that year. So, absolutely, your expectations are valid. Your, your, based off of your rookie season, your sophomore year expectations were valid. Right. And you did not meet those not to your fault because you had a you had a bad injury, but in, in your third season, people expected a fully healthy, recovered Devin Bush to return to form, and that didn't happen. It did not happen. But people who are smart and people who are like you and I, I just called it a smart there. You see what I did? <laughs> we recognize that just because he had a disappointing third season, you have to put every factor into account when you think of why he had that perfect imperfect season. Mm -hmm. And I think the injury has a lot to do with it. I mean, I understand that people will point to a Joe Burrow or point to other people who've had similar injuries and talk about how they haven't had much of a, as much of a recovery time or as much of a getting back up to game speed. But I mean, different strokes for different folks. I mean, some people are just built differently. Some injuries are just a little harder to rehab over right. others, even if right. they're the same thing. Like, Joe Burrow's MCL isn't the same as Devin Bush's MCL. So I think that's a little unfair to be like, ah, Burrow came back from something like that and mm-hmm. took him to the Super Bowl. It looked great out there. Well, different positions and different people. So I think that's mm-hmm. unfair. Look at it in a vacuum. He had a devastating knee injury. This is a guy that his entire skill set is predicated on his ability to run laterally and run with some speed. Running laterally means a lot of changing of directions, a mm-hmm. lot of ch- using those knees, using those ACLs. So I get him potentially taking a little bit of a step back. Now, I think there's two things to look out for as he moves forward. He either, A, gets his speed back, and okay. he's back to his normal self. Right. From his that's that's kinda, the biggest asset. Kind of back he, on track again. Right, it's his biggest asset. Or he doesn't, and you have to wonder, will he be able to adjust his game to have a little less speed in the in the rocket booster, but maybe make a little bit of a smarter effort out there on the field? Or 
the doomsday scenario if that plays out and he doesn't adjust when he loses speed and he simply the people just keep running by him and he just becomes an average NFL linebacker and not reaches the heights he could be at. Now, I kind of lean towards that speed's not going to come back just it's because tough. of the injury like right. that. Now, I'm sure there's still this is this offseason full of a healthy rehab is probably paying wonders for him because you last, hope so. last year was building back the knee. Like mm-hmm. now he's had that whole season under his belt after it. Now he can have a full offseason of working out hardcore, getting ready for the season without an injury to worry about. So I wonder if maybe that'll rehab back that speed and he'll gain some more of that speed back. But I, if I was a betting man, I'd have to imagine that when you have something like that happen, you're most likely going to lose a couple miles per hour off of the old speedometer for the rest of your life. That would just make sense to me. No, it, it absolutely makes sense to you. And that's kind of why that you don't see Joe Burrow struggling as much because he's a quarterback. He's not necessarily the most mobile quarterback, exactly. but he can, he can use his legs. And maybe that's why you saw Burrow adjust or recover in a better way than Devin Bush did because he's not as reliant on his speed. I mean, he's it's a completely different as you're throwing the quarter you're throwing the ball as a quarterback versus the linebacker, you're pursuing the ball carrier at all times. So Devin Bush's game is totally reliant on his speed and that's why he was <clears throat> excuse me, such a highly sought after first round draft pick because of that speed. That's what made him so dangerous. The, his ability to cross sideline to sideline still get to the ball carrier. Why the Steelers pursued him and did he he used that speed greatly so in his rookie year and then and yes. the first and the first 6 games of his second season, you saw it a lot too. But then the injury came, and I think you, Tom, in your assessment that last year was working back that speed. Now that you can have an entire offseason to yourself to work out, to rehabilitate further, that speed is going to, whatever speed you see out of Devin Bush this year, I think is his highest potential speed you'll see for the rest, the rest of, of his career. career. Yeah, if he's not going to build it back in this offseason, then how would you ever expect him as he's getting older to build right. it back? So, so the test here for Devin Bush is, as you said... Become smarter. Right. That's it. Become a better ball player. Yeah. Don't be so. Don't be such a one-trick pony. And I think he can do that. Uh, he's got all the opportunity in the world to do that, and he's got great coaches around him. I was going to say, he's got, the, he's got a that. great coaching staff to mold him. So we'll see... A lot of eyes on Devin Bush, and again, a lot of pressure on Devin Bush to turn into that diamond that we all wanted him to be. Worried that he's going to stay the lump of coal that he might be right now, and that's mm. that's a little harsh to call him a lump of coal. But that's what the science is, all right? right? The coal, the pressure, the, the diamond heat, makes the diamonds. Yeah. Come on, people. Come on. Keep up. On the defensive side of the ball, another guy that I got an eye on that has some pressure on him, and this might surprise you a little bit, Akella Witherspoon. I like it. Because he had such a good showing at the end of last season. And the Steelers give him a two-year contract, and like, not only do we give you this contract, but as it stands right now, you're probably our, our starting cornerback on the outside. At the very least, you're our number three on our depth chart. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to play a lot because you earned yourself that contract towards the end of last year, and you earned yourself this playing time opportunity with your play at the end of last year. But now there's pressure on him to kind of back that up, and now. You know, a guy who was in Seattle and then got traded to Pittsburgh and didn't really find the field early in his tenure here in Pittsburgh last year and then came on strong late. Like, these opportunities as you're getting years and years and years into the league get fewer and farther between. 
And he's got a golden one right here in front of him. Sure. So there's absolutely some pressure pushing down on Witherspoon to go out and say, hey, I am a top two corner in this league. I can play the outside for 60, 70% of the snaps in a given football game. Like, this is now being handed to him. And I really think that not only is he feeling that pressure, but. Steelers kind of feel the pressure of, I hope that deal gets validated because, because if, we're if, kind of we're walking a tightrope a little bit on this cornerback room. Because if he doesn't perform at that consistent CB2 level, yeah. then the Steelers are kind of grasping at straws at what's left of that cornerback room. There's real, I mean, you got Camp Sutton. You'll probably put Sutton in his position again, yeah. which is outside because he's better in the slot. And then you put a lot on Levi Wallace's shoulders to come in and be sure. the new guy. Hey, cornerback number two in Buffalo. This is Pittsburgh now. We need you to be CB1 right now, and I don't know if he is that. So I think that Steelers right now have two CB2s playing on the outside, but they're two upper echelon CB2s, which sure. which makes it more comfortable for you to get away with that, especially when you have a pretty premier slot guy in Cam Sutton as well. So, you know, it's a little bit of a tightrope. I'm comfortable with the cornerback room. I'm sure the draft as well, but... If one of those guys, like you said, underperforms like Witherspoon, it, I don't the, think the Levi table could get turned out, pull out quick. Levi's not going to underperform, it, yeah. right? But my worry here about Witherspoon is maybe he kind of, and, and the same could be said maybe for like Trey Nord at the safety position, but maybe these guys kind of succeeded or or exceeded expectations because the bar was so low. There was nothing, yeah. But now that, especially Witherspoon, is going to be expected to start. And contribute. I, yeah. I hope that pressure is in some. I like. I hope his mental capacity is ready and willing to take on what the Steelers are going to ask of him in 2022. That could be my. That could be my only worry. Well, right. Or that could be my greatest worry. I would say for him. I would. I would agree with that because again, he's got some track record in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So there has been some bad tape put out there. And there was good tape at the end of last year. And maybe, you know, this is just the right place at the right time for him. And he'll really start to spread his wings and fly with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But time will tell as far as that's concerned. All I know is that he's definitely feeling a lot of the pressure as far as probably the fan base is concerned. And that front office, too. You know, you want to validate that deal that we just gave right. you those two years for. Uh, one last guy on the defensive side of the ball that I think is an obvious one. Back to that linebacking room. Alex Highsmith has to have some pressure on him. I wouldn't say as much as a Devin Bush. Sure. Because Devin Bush has kind of had the downturn where Alex Smith has kind of just, or Alex Highsmith has just kind of been steady Eddie a little bit in his career so far. Nothing spectacular, but nothing where you go, he's an absolute bust. But again, it's it's a third round draft pick from Charlotte. Right. So there's not much pedigree. He was the third round because Claypool was second, Highsmith was third, I believe, Mm -hmm. in 2020. But yeah, I. this isn't someone from a blue blood blue blood program like Michigan in the top ten of the first round. You, I mean, you have to manage expectations for certain circumstances when a guy is take, selected in the draft. So I agree with you that Alex Highsmith, Highsmith has done enough for where he's been taken, but I would like to see him a little bit more just to kind of make the other pass rusher, rushers like – TJ and Cam and whoever, if Stefan Tuitt or Tyson Alawala return this year, it makes makes their lives easier if you have another guy on the edge also contributing. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better myself. And I think we always draw this comparison, you know. At this point in his career, he's been better than Bud Dupree was at that point in his career. I think so too. So but the I... start's been comparable, if not better. 
But now we're getting into the territory where Bud started to ramp it up a little bit. We got to see if he'll ramp it up like that. And my concern, too, is you could say Bud kind of came into his own or, or really improved. I know where you're going because with Because it was at the same time as T.J. Watt was making his progression yes. in his career. Well, now T.J. Watt's better than he's ever been. Right. So what excuse does Alex Highsmith have? If everyone's going to be looking at TJ on one side. He keeps getting the quarterback side, faster than me. Right. If he, he keeps taking sacks away from me. If everyone's going to be looking at T, if everyone on the offensive line, the opposing offensive line and the opposing offensive coaching staff is going to be looking at TJ, Alex Heisman at this point should be saying, oh, this is open season. Got to be good at my one-on-ones, right? right. I got to win my one-on-ones. Right. And, and we saw it in flat, like the spin moves early on in the season, like especially in the preseason. I get it. He was playing lesser opponents. The preseason, but you saw it. You you know he has that speed. He has that burst. But you really take advantage of it when you're playing opposite of T.J. Watt in the prime of his career. No question. I mean, the man had 22 and a half sacks opposite right. of you. <laughs> right. I think there's a lot of pressure on Highsmith. To, a good number in my head that I keep landing on is like seven, seven and a half. Mm-hmm. That's a really good compliment to T.J. who's going to get like probably, what, 20 again or 19 or something absurd like that. Mm-hmm. So like... I think having a nice seven, seven and a half kind of sacks from Highsmith, knowing you'll get six or seven from Cam, you'll get probably four or five from Tuit if he plays, you'll get a couple from, you know what I mean? Like you're starting to build yourself back into leading the NFL again and for the sixth straight year now as far as sacking the quarterback is concerned. But uh, I would say out of the three we've named on the defensive side of the ball here, Highsmith has the least amount of pressure on him. But there's definitely starting to, you know, be that pressure of, are you going to be a starter in this NFL? And then there's also the pressure of, are we going to pick up the deal on you, fifth-year option, and are you going to earn that second contract mm-hmm. in this league? So a little bit of money is probably starting to creep into the back of old Alex Highsmith's head now as he's going to be entering year three sure. of the NFL. And he needs, if he wants money, he's going to need to take advantage of having T.J. Watt as a teammate. Now the offensive side of the ball is a tricky one for okay, me. Okay, I thought, in my opinion, I think there's a an obvious number one here. On offense? Yeah. Is it Kendrick Green? It's Kendrick Green. Yeah, right? Like, that means seems to be the one that stands out the most because you were drafted in the third round last year, and everybody made the Marquise Pouncey comparisons right mm-hmm. off the bat, which was incredibly unfair. You're, you're comparing, Absolutely a, you're comparing an all-SEC, all-American Absolutely player unfair. from the Florida Gators when they were winning national championships with Tim Tebow. To some guy to playing on all, Illinois. To an all-Big Ten center, but from Illinois. So at the bottom you're of the barrel even, when it's in the conference. You're not playing at Ohio State. <laughs> They're worse you're not than playing your Indiana Michigan. Hoosiers at, at football. Man. That's I true. Mean, hey, shout it, out to the Hoosiers. It's few and far between the teams that you can say that about, but Illinois certainly is one of them. <laughs> but yeah, it was completely unfair. You know, oh, he wears the same number. Oh, he's got that mean streak like pounce. Ah, this is it. This is the Steelers getting their next pounce. And it just wasn't the case, and it mm-hmm. wasn't ever going to be the case realistically. But he gets thrown into the fire. But it's not like he earned it, really. It was kind of just out of necessity that the Steelers had to start him at center last year. Starts at center, struggles mightily all year long. Now, this offseason hits, and you've got them going out and getting guys like James Daniels who can snap the ball, Mm -hmm. Mason Cole who snapped the ball in his past. So options are starting to become present at the center position. Not only that, but also at the guard guard position as well. So now there's probably a lot of pressure on him because I'm sure he doesn't want to go from opening day starter as a rookie, as a third-round draft pick, to seventh and sixth man on the depth chart as far as the the line is concerned. Starting center to backup guard. So you lose your position, and then the position group you get moved to, you're not even the starter there. not even the starter in it. And they play two of those guys, so that means you're not even the second best when it comes to that position. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of pressure on him, but I will say this. 
I won't be upset if Kendrick Green's not in the starting line. Just because of like, Mason Cole and James Daniels. If that's your center and your right guard, Hattery, yeah. I think I'm totally fine with that. Not only because they might just be the flat-out best five. Those two featured in the group might be the best five that you have coming out of training camp and coming out of preseason. But maybe Kendrick Green needs a little bit more development. You know, Maybe mm-hmm. he needs maybe a little bit less on his plate. You put everything on his plate last year, and it completely backfired. Mm-hmm. Maybe take a lot out of his plate now. Put him in as a swing guy. Oh, James Daniels rolled an ankle in the third quarter. Get in there, Kendrick Green. You know, mm-hmm. and finish this game out. Like, Have him do that. Have him start to feel some confidence. Have him start to build some confidence in himself. Have him watch from guys like Daniels and Cole, who aren't like amazing veterans, but they've been around the block a lot more than he has. It might not be the worst thing for young Kendrick Green to be in this spot. And in fact, probably was supposed to be like this last year if the line was built out the way that you'd hope it would have been. He should have probably been in this bench role right. as a third-round pick with a lot of it's, potential, it's ju- but just you're not going to get in until someone's get hurt or we need to make a change. It's just because that offensive line went There's through no the one. absolute ringer last year. Yeah, with Pounds to, to and start, Castro, To like, start, it was already down. And then as the season unfolded, you saw piece after piece kind of just fall to the wayside or get injured or something like that. People so, don't talk about that enough, Jacob. Pounce was coming. You could see the writing on the wall with that but one. The Castro but DeCastro really blindsided a lot of things. And, you know, you, you took a big swing with Trey Turner, and I respect the hell out of that. Go get a former All-Pro, Pro Bowl caliber player. Didn't work out. But you were kind of scrambling anyway at that point because of the blind mm-hmm. side of the I mean, I remember I was I was sitting, it was like the day before my wedding last year. It was in the middle of June. Like, we're, we training camp's like a month away, and DeCastro's announcing that he's not playing next year. You know what I mean? Like, it right. was it was really, really tough, but Kevin Absolutely Colbert tried tough. his best for sure, and I think he's really solidified that line. Well, he, he's clearly well. trying to go out with a bang. Here. Yeah, he, or I don't know about going out with a bang necessarily, because that would be like throwing every money. Yeah, but I he's guess going so. out with a good foundation in place for his successor. He's sure. not leaving anything like right. bare. And, he's like, not leaving his successor out to dry. Exactly. So Kendrick Green for me as far as pressure on the offense, but then it starts to get a little shady for me. I mean, I don't Najee. I guess has pressure, but like I we don't expect so, him to follow through. You expect on. him to exceed expectations. Yeah. Whatever ex- expectations I have, I expect them to far exceed them. And Fryermuth. I and Fryermuth in that. So I think ca- the next one is kind of a two-parter. Is one of them Mitch? No. See, I think Mitch has some pressure on him. I think he's got pressure, but I think... he's got to prove... St- but the state of the Steelers, knowing that Mitch is not going to be the guy of the future... Right, but the state of Mitch is, I need to be a starter in this league. I guess That's so. got to feel like a pretty big weight on your shoulders here. Especially so. when it's it's not like hey, I get my third shot with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Like you're putting on the black and gold now. So like not only are you going to get a shot here, but you're gonna have a fan base behind you too. So like it's gonna feel real again for him. This is a fan base that gets behind their players. Or vice versa if they just like south. throw them out to the yeah. dirt. Well they're not curb. as bad as like Philly or something no, like that. No, no, but no. yes. But it's... if you fail then they will not be happy with you. No, they but I, I still think the collective understanding is that he is not going to be the long term answer. And I think that for that reason the pressure isn't on for him with this team. But I see what you're saying individually if Mitch wants Mitch to make it in this league, mm-hmm. then Mitch has to step up. No question. So I feel like that's got to feel a little hard. But even still, Tom, I feel like if he leads his team to like a seven and ten record this year, maybe a ten and seven record the next year, and, and another ten and seven record the following year, his third year, if he gets like a one year extension, something like that, if they need that one year extension, 
then I think he's going to find another starting job. I don't think it's going to be here. You think it's going to be somewhere else? Exactly. I don't think he needs to go eleven and six or twelve and five or thirteen and four all both years or maybe a third year potentially if they do extend him. I don't think he needs to do that in order to solidify himself as a starting quarterback elsewhere. I think he needs to do just enough, carry this team, keep them in playoff contention. Teams can say, or other GMs can say, okay, look what he did with their team. We're building up our team as well. We need a quarterback because we just have zero. Let's bring in Mitch. That's fair. That's very well said as well. So would that leave us at just the two wide receivers? Yeah. The so ones my with the most my are Deontay and Chase. Yeah. It's it's not it's not Deontay over Chase or vice versa. It's the two of them combined that I think both need to improve because and we've heard the rumors about what Deontay wants as far as a contract. Was it something like five years, ninety million dollars? Mm-hmm. That's not happening if you continue to drop no, the ball like you not. have been. If you you're continue... not going to get that money elsewhere either. And let's not forget, Deontay Johnson was having a phenomenal season last year. Did not make the Pro Bowl. Got upset that he did not make the Pro Bowl. Said that he did not make the Pro Bowl and was upset about it. And then his play went downhill from there. Off the field distractions started to creep into his game last year. I don't think it's unfair for me to say that. When he was the one that put forward his disgust at not making the Pro Bowl and then the correlation of his play there and after would tell that story to anybody if they were trying to read it. So he's got to work on finishing a complete season. Sure. And Chase Claypool's just got to figure out how the, to play football again. Like, he's just got to find that love of football again and focus on football and stop dancing when you need to get to the line of scrimmage and, and play a little tougher, too. Right. I think a little bit more of a blocking downfield needs to be in his game as well because he was a special teams kind of rough guy at Notre Dame, and you saw that his rookie year. Yeah, you did. And then you kind of saw him maybe, you know, start to feel the hype a little bit. I'm a wide receiver, not a blocker. Right. You got to get back to being that because you're huge. Like, you're just a right. big dude. You're, you're in trouble for safeties in corners to deal with when you know a running back gets out in the open and they have to go through you to make the tackle so want to see a little bit more physicality from chasing just more of like a love of football and with Deontay it's just finish the season finish of complete 17 games for the first time since your rookie year yeah because your rookie year I think you played an entire season 2020 you really struggle with the drops but 2021, I think and 2019 a- was tough because of Mason and Duck to deal with his rookie season. Yeah, so. but he still made the All Pro team yeah, as, yeah, a as a returner, and so, he yeah. still and he still did fine as a receiver. No, no as question. Well. Yeah, but the poten- you saw the potential there start. Right, yeah. and but 2020, you really struggled with the drops, and that kind of was a season long narrative. 2021 came out you on started fire. off fantastic, and you then were it was go to guy, and then it was what week 13, week 14, I'm telling you, right around the Pro Bowl. Yeah, that you the right around December Chiefs game, that first right around Chiefs December, game was right yeah, around is then. when he really kind of started to struggle. So I agree, finish a season. I you can drop the ball, it's fine. I, I won't kill you if you drop the ball three or four couple times. times. But if you start, <laughs> you, you yeah. will kill him if it starts to be week after week. After week. But sure. you have a game where you have a drop. Whatever. It's fine. You're not all Larry Fitzgerald, I mean, right? Like, look at what he did against the Baltimore in the Baltimore game at home in the first week of December. So this is before the Chiefs thing. This is before the uh, the Pro Bowl announcement. He had at the end of the first half that dropped beautiful touchdown pass by Ben. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, oh, no, here we go again. But then Deontay, he made up for it. Two touchdowns in the second half. I mean, if you're going to do that, if you're going to drop the ball, prove it to me that you can learn from it, that you can, you can push it in the back of your memory, not focusing on on it at all, and just just play your game. You, you made a mistake. Mistakes happen. But prove to me that you're still a, 
a potential wide receiver one. He did that that game, but there are so many other times, especially in 2020, when he just clearly could not put those memories to the side. Well, people either collapse under pressure or the pressure drives them to be even greater. So we'll see how all of those Steelers in 2022 react to the amount of pressure that is pushing down on them from both the team side and the fan side as we enter into this 2022 season. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for giving us a break. I'm Tom Opferman, and we'll talk to you guys next time.